0: chapter fourteen of pioneers of the old south by mary johnston this librivox recording is in the public domain the carolinas the first settlers on the banks of the james river looking from beneath their hands southward over plain land and a haze of endless forests call that unexplored country south virginia It stretched away to those rivers and bays to that island of Roanoke whence had fled raleigh's settlers beyond that said the james river men was florida time passed and the region of south virginia was occasionally spoken of as carolina though whether that name was drawn from charles i of england or whether those old unfortunate huguenots in florida had used it with reference to charles the ninth of france is not certainly known south virginia lay huge unknown unsettled the only exception was the country immediately below the southern banks of the lower james with the promontory that partially closed in chesapeake bay virginia growing fast at last sent her children into this region in sixteen fifty three the assembly enacted upon the petition of roger green clark on the behalf of himself and inhabitants of nanseman river It is ordered by this present grand assembly that 10,000 acres of land be granted unto one hundred such persons who shall first seat on Moratuck or Roanoke River, and the land lying upon the south side of Cohen, Chowan River, and the branches thereof, provided that such cedars settle advantageously for security, and be sufficiently furnished with ammunition and strength. Green and his men, well furnished, presumably with firelocks, bullets, and powder horns, went into this hinterland. At intervals, there followed other hardy folk, Quakers subject to persecution in old Virginia, fled into these wilds. The name Carolina grew to mean backwoods, frontiersman's land. Here were forest and stream, Indian and bear and wolf, blue waters of sound and sea long outward lying reefs and shoals and islets fertile soil and a clime neither hot nor cold slowly the people increased in number families left settled virginia for the wilderness men without families came there for reasons good and bad their cabins their tiny hamlets were far apart they practiced a hazardous agriculture they hunted fished and traded with the indians the isolation of these settlers bred or increased their personal independence while it robbed them of that smoothness to be gained where the social particles rubbed together this part of south virginia was soon to be called north carolina far down the coast was cape fear in the year of the restoration a handful of new england men came here in a ship and made a settlement which not prospering was ere long abandoned but new englanders traded still in south virginia as along other coasts seafarers they entered at this inlet and at that crossed the wide blue sounds and anchoring in mouths of rivers purchased from the settlers their forest commodities then over they ran to the west indies and got in exchange sugar and rum and molasses with which again they traded for tobacco in carolina in virginia and in maryland these ships went often to new providence in the bahamas and to Barbados. there began through trade and other circumstances a special connection between the long coastline and these islands that were peopled by the english the restored kingdom of england had many adherents to reward land in america islands and maine formed the obvious fortunatus's purse as the second charles had divided virginia for the benefit of arlington and culpeper so now in sixteen sixty three to our right trusty and right well-beloved cousins and counsellors edward earl of clarendon our high chancellor of england and george duke of albemarle master of our horse and captain-general of all our forces our right trusty and well-beloved william lord craven john lord Berkeley, our right trusty and well-beloved Counsellor anthony lord ashley chancellor of our exchequer sir george carteret knight and baronet vice-chamberlain of our household and our trusty and well-beloved sir william Berkeley, knight and sir john colleton knight and baronet he gave south virginia henceforth called the carolinas a region occupying five degrees of latitude and stretching indefinitely from the seacoast toward the setting sun this huge territory became like maryland a province or palatinate in maryland was one proprietary in carolina there were eight though for distinction the senior of the eight was called the palatine as in maryland the proprietaries had princely rights they owed allegiance to england and a small quit-rent went to the king they were supposed to govern in the main by english law and to uphold the religion of england they were to make laws at their discretion with the advice assent and approbation of the freemen or of their deputies who were to be assembled from time to time as seemed best john locke who wrote the essay concerning human understanding wrote also with ashley at his side the fundamental constitutions of carolina in number a hundred and twenty agreed upon by the palatine and lord's proprietors to remain the sacred and unalterable form and rule of government of carolina for Forever for is a long word with ofttimes a short history the lord's proprietors have left their names upon the maps of north and south carolina there are albemarle sound and the ashley and cooper rivers clarendon hyde craven and Collaton counties but their fundamental constitutions in number a hundred and twenty written by locke in sixteen sixty nine are almost all as dead as the leaves of the carolina forest falling in the autumn of that year the grant included that territory settled by roger green and his men among the proprietors sat sir william barclay governor of virginia the only lord of carolina actually upon american ground following instructions from his seven fellows barclay now declared this region separated from virginia and attached to carolina he christened it albemarle strangely enough he sent as governor that scotchman william Drummond whom some years later he would hang drummond should have a council of six and an assembly of freemen that might inaugurate legislation having to do with local matters but must submit its acts to the proprietaries for veto or approval this was the settlement in carolina of albemarle back country to virginia gatherer thence of many that were hardy and sound many that were unfortunate and many that were shiftless and untamed an uncouth nurse of a turbulent democracy was albemarle cape fear far down the deeply frayed coast seemed a proper place to which to send a colony the intrusive massachusetts men were gone but gentlemen and merchants of Barbados were interested it is a far cry from Barbados to the carolina shore but so is it a far cry from england many royalists had fled to Barbados during the old troubles so that its english population was considerable a number may have welcomed the chance to leave their small island for the immense continent and an english trading port as far south as cape fear must have had a general appeal so in sixteen sixty five came englishmen from Barbados and made up the cape fear river a settlement which they named clarendon with john Yeamans of barbados as governor but the colony did not prosper there arose the typical colonial troubles sickness dissensions improvidence, providence quarrels with the aborigines nor was the site the best obtainable the settlers finally abandoned the place and scattered to various points along the northern coast in sixteen sixty nine the lord's proprietaries sent out from england three ships the carolina the port royal and the albemarle with about a hundred colonists aboard taking the old sea road they came at last to Barbados. and here the albemarle seized by a storm was wrecked the two other ships with the barbadoes sloop sailed on and were approaching the bahamas when another hurricane destroyed the port royal the carolina however pushed on with the sloop reached bermuda and rested there then together with a small ship purchased in these islands she turned west by south and came in march of sixteen seventy to the good harbor of port royal south carolina southward from the harbor where the ships rode stretched old florida held by the spaniards there was the Spanish town Saint Augustine, then Spanish ships might put forth and descend upon the English newcomers. The colonists, after debate, concluded to set some further space between them and lands of Spain. The ships put again to sea, beat northward a few leagues, and at last entered a harbour into which emptied two rivers, presently to be called the Ashley and the Cooper. Up the Ashley, they went a little way, anchored and the colonists going ashore began to build upon the west bank of the river a town which for the king they named charlestown ten years later this place was abandoned in favor of the more convenient point of land between the two rivers here then was builded the second and more enduring charlestown charleston as we call it now in south carolina colonists came fast to this carolina lying south barbados sent many england scotland and ireland contributed a share there came huguenots from france and a certain number of germans in ten years after the first settling the population numbered twelve hundred and this presently doubled and went on to increase the early times were taken up with the wrestle with the forest with the indians with spanish alarms with incompetent governors with the lords proprietaries fundamental constitutions and with the restrictions which english navigation laws imposed upon english colonies what grains and vegetables and tobacco they could grow what cattle and swine they could breed and export preoccupied the minds of these pioneer farmers there were struggling for growth a rough agriculture and a hampered trade with barbados virginia and new england trade likewise with the buccaneers who swarmed in the west indian waters five hundred good reasons allowed and had long allowed free to flourish in american seas gross governmental faults navigation acts and a hundred petty and great oppressions general poverty adventurousness lawlessness and sympathy of mishandled folk with lawlessness all combined to keep brother of the coast buccaneer and filibuster alive and their ships upon all seas many were no worse than smugglers others were robbers with violence and a few had a dash of the fiend all nations had sons in the business England to the south in America had just the ragged coastline with its off-lying islands and islets liked by all this gentry, whether smuggler or pirate outright. Through much of the 17th century, the settlers on these shores never violently disapproved of the pirate. He was often a good fellow. He brought in, needed articles without dues, and had Spanish gold in his pouch. He was shrugged over and traded with he came ashore to charlestown and they traded with him there at one time charlestown got the name of rogues harbor but that was not forever nor indeed as years are counted for long better and better emigrants arrived to add to the good already there the better type prevailed and gave its tone to the place there set in on the ashley and cooper rivers a fair urban life that yet persists south carolina was trying tobacco and wheat but in the last years of the seventeenth century a ship touching at charleston left there a bag of madagascar rice planted it gave increase that was planted again suddenly it was found that this was the crop for low-lying carolina rice became her staple as was tobacco of virginia for the rice fields south carolina soon wanted african slaves and they were consequently brought in numbers in english ships there began in this part of the world even more than in virginia the system of large plantations and the accompanying aristocratic structure of society but in virginia the planter families lived broadcast over the land each upon its own plantation in south carolina to escape heat and sickness the planters of rice and indigo gave over to employees the care of their great holdings and lived themselves in pleasant charleston these plantations with their great gangs of slaves under overseers differed at many points from the more kindly semi patriarchal life of the virginian plantation to south carolina came also the indentured white laborer but the black was imported in increasing numbers from the first in the carolinas there had been promised fair freedom for the unorthodox the charters provided says an early governor an overplus power to grant liberty of conscience although at home was a hot persecuting time huguenots independents quakers dissenters of many kinds found on the whole refuge and harbor in every colony soon began the struggle by the dominant color and caste toward political liberty king company lords proprietaries might strive to rule from over the seas but the new land fast bred a practical rough freedom the english settlers came out from a land where political change was in the air the stream was set toward the crumbling of feudalism the rise of democracy in the new world circumstances favoring the stream became a tidal river governors councils assemblies might use a misleading phraseology of a quaint servility toward the constituted powers in england tory parties might at times seem to color the land their own hue but there always ran though often roughly and with turbulence a set of the stream against autocracy in carolina south and north by the ashley and cooper rivers and in that region called albemarle just back of virginia there arose and went on through the remainder of the seventeenth century and in the eighteenth struggles with the lords proprietaries and the governors that these named and behind this a more covert struggle with the crown the details differed but the issues involved were much the same in north and south carolina the struggle lasted for the threescore and odd years of the proprietary government and renewed itself upon occasion after seventeen twenty nine when the carolinas became royal colonies later it was swept a strong affluent into the great general stream of colonial revolt culminating in the revolution into north carolina beside the border population entering through virginia and containing much of a backwoods and derelict nature came many huguenots the best of folk and industrious swiss and germans from the rhine then the scotch began to come in numbers and families of scotch descent from the north of ireland the tone of society consequently changed from that of the early days the ruffian and the shiftless sank to the bottom there grew up in north carolina a people agricultural but without great plantations hard-working and freedom-loving south carolina on the other hand had great plantations a town society suave and polished a learned clergy an aristocratic caste to life for long both north and south clung to the sea-line and to the lower stretches of rivers where the ships could come in only by degrees did english colonial life push back into the forests away from the sea to the hills and finally across the mountains End of chapter 14